is Rashonda Thornton, the host of the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. Thanks to the local farmers and wonderful supporters such as Undeniably Dairy, we are proud to present to you the weekly Wellness Coalition panel series. This is a 10-part series where myself and a rotating cast of experts will discuss meaningful topics focusing on what means the most to you during this COVID crisis. So that means every Thursday, I'll have panel guests that will bring great insights, perspectives, truths, and possible solutions. So again, thanks to Undeniably Dairy and the local farmers, this is able to be aired to you every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. on my Facebook page at Rashonda of Better Vessel. You can also see it on my YouTube channel and all other podcast stations and podcast platforms. So enjoy the show and please reach out if you have any questions or have any topics that they may be of interest to you. Well, hello and welcome to week two of the weekly Wellness Coalition panel. This particular week, we're gonna focus on the impact of emotional and mental health during the COVID season. So I have with me three wonderful guests and I wanna do a quick introductory of them so you know who they are. So my first guest is Melissa Douglas. She is the founder of the Telemental Health uh, organization called um, Goal Driven Counseling. As a licensed, social, licensed clinical social worker, she's also known as the virtual clinician. I also have with me Tom Duff. He is also a licensed clinical social worker who's had over 25 years as a, as a, as a mental health expert. He's also the director of the St. Louis Counseling Center here in St. Louis, as well as a podcast host, co host of Mental Health Matters. And last but not least, I have Dr. Lisa Parker Scott. She is a clinical she is a clinical psychologist with over 20 years of experience and have worked in areas all the way from proper practice to now being a team lead of St. Louis Psychiatric Rehabilitation Center. So I want to welcome all three of my panel guests today. I'm glad that you guys were able to be a part of it. Thank Great. you for having us. Exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So after introduction, I want everyone to really just kind of get a bit of information about each and every one of each and every one of you, some of your areas of specialties within this, because I feel that all three of you bring valuable information um, to this particular topic. So we're going to just really kick off with talking about the diversity in your platforms, as well as how the impact of COVID-19 has um, impacted the way that you have responded um, over the last eight weeks. So, um, Dr. Scott, I'm going to start off with you. Um, so, <laughs> within working within the practice, uh, what specific clientele um, have you do you serve, and how has this recent uh, crisis adjusted your approach um, in a mental health capacity and all the things that you do within your profession? Well, I work at St. Louis Psychiatric Rehabilitation Center, which is a long-term care inpatient psychiatric residential facility. Many of these folks suffer serious mental illness as well as serious trauma, sometimes repeated psychological trauma throughout their lives. And so we're often working with folks to try to help them get relief from very debilitating symptoms of mental illness, as well as dealing with chronic mental health conditions. Uh, with all of this going on and with the introduction of the COVID-19 crisis, we've had to work really hard to give information to our clients in a way that they could understand and to be able to wrap support around them with their current mental illnesses and their vulnerability to trauma in mind. 
And so a lot of what we've done is try to find ways to make sure that they're still connected to their providers, even though some of their providers are working from home, to add more virtual con connection and, and virtual support in lots of different ways. Because I also work with staff at the facility and we're a residential care facility, we've had to work really hard to protect our clients and our staff as much as possible from infection. So a lot of what I've done is also educate staff with the emerging information as it's developed each day. Uh, ended up being able to get masks for my staff made before we were able to get more shipments of PPE for our staff and to be able to pass that information on to our clients as well to balance giving them accurate information without overwhelming or making them too afraid and anxious. So with all of that going on, it's it's been quite challenging and frightening and overwhelming for everyone. I think finally what we've had to do is remember that we're all human and try to support one another through all of this, that this has been an overwhelming situation for everyone. But with all of that, I, I'd have to say I am so impressed by my clients and my staff. They have been amazingly and remarkably resilient. Um, they've been very patient with one another. They've been incredibly compassionate. Even some of our folks that don't tend to be able to think outside of themselves because they have such daunting symptoms have been very compassionate. Yeah, I can only imagine this, the transition working within the hospital uh, context mm -hmm. of it and dealing with people that are vulnerable right now with um, being infected alongside helping those with uh, in their mental capacity and making sure that they're served appropriately and protecting them at the same time. So mm -hmm. it's amazing how, you know, when you're strapped to, to make change, you figure out a way to, to do it and it all ends up working out, you know? Um, so Tom, so you yourself, now I know um, you may, you know, you I think you work with different particular like um, healthcare institutions, but you also work with churches and with schools and so a diversity of clientele. Um, and so you guys, St. Louis Counseling Center, you have more of a brick and mortar uh, model as well as several sites throughout St. Louis. So with the now, with the changes and the limitations they were having as far as personal person contact, how have you transitioned some of your services to um, better help provide, keep those services warm for those particular uh, clients and patients. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting, really month uh, when you when you think about it since this kind of happened. But uh, we, we've basically gone all virtual. We had eight office locations, and then we were placing uh, uh, clinicians inside of schools uh, to provide therapy. So we were in over a hundred different schools. So then all of a sudden it, it became that world of like, wow, how are we gonna do our services? And we had just started using a Zoom platform right before this started with one therapist and uh, one school district. And then now all of a sudden we have, uh, well, everybody um, doing virtual mm -hmm. sessions. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been challenging on a couple levels um, because of one, you know, as a clinician, um, over, you know, I'm a, a little bit older if you look at the grade in my hair, right? Um, but, you know, it's very used to just doing traditional therapy um, with somebody uh, in the same room. Uh, so even for me, it's mm -hmm. been kind of a, a process. And so we had several therapists that had to, to walk through that. And then clients as well, too, kind of having to engage clients like, hey, this can work. Uh, we want to be here. And we've been pretty pleased with our existing clients um, that they've been willing to um, either do telephone because 
certain funding sources, funding streams um, from county grants to uh, insurance-based providers have allowed us to go towards telephone and virtual. And uh, so that's been a blessing in itself as well. Um, so even um, new clients coming on board um, because it's a whole different level that are more willing to do uh, the virtual side as well too. Now, one of the challenges is um, with our, our school kids that are um, at home, um, uh, as well as some of our clients is accessibility to, to either a laptop, either to um, a telephone, minutes. Um, we've had families say, like you know, I I can't use the minutes um, for a virtual session on my on my phone, um, and I, I need it for other purposes. You know, so we've had to be um, creative in how to try to reach kids as well as um, our our older individuals as well too, our adults with engagement and by giving them the tools. Um, so we've had some funders step up and say. Hey, here's um here's an ability to um uh, uh, buy minutes cards um and you know and we know it's kind of risky sometimes you're giving a teenager um, a track phone and say okay we want you to use um uh, uh, this for therapy only um you know it doesn't always go that well but the reality is maybe it's also keeping them in contact with somebody else um, as well too which is really important so it's still therapeutic but. Um, it's been a process, um, but it's actually going in the right direction. So we're pretty pleased. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like mm -hmm. uncharted territory. Like who would have thought that, you know, due to something like this, the, 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 the default would be having to buy things like minute cards, you know, considering some of the things that some of the clients don't have. Um, when you come up from a traditional setting, that those are things you wouldn't even fathom as, as a limitation or what someone would need for this, you know? So again, creativity and figuring out a way to do it. I mean, that's what we're kind of like um, strapped to do right now. So I appreciate that you guys have a team of people that are finding ways to reach out to those communities that may not be able to just get on their laptop to communicate and keep mm -hmm. the services going. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, um, I've heard Dr. Uh, Dr. Parker Scott mention it too, like she's going into the virtual world. Tom, you're going into the virtual world. Well, uh, Melissa Douglas here, that's her, that's her thing. Um, this is, she has a hundred percent, her, her, her practice is a hundred percent online. Um, and so I want to open up opportunity for you because you're, you're, this is, that's you, that used to be a futuristic approach, but now it's like approach right the present approach mm -hmm. so just give us some insight on you know what is um telemental health and how the dynamics of having a virtual setting platform um has really uh, been um valuable to you and now even with the transition of your clientele and getting the clients like what have you seen as far as your client profile with new clients and some of your current clients mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is awesome to be here in the in the midst of these other professionals with a completely different um, experience. And I'll say too, I come from ten years of working in nonprofits and things here in St. Louis, so it's not that you know <laughs> that much that I'm so far removed from the experience too. But for um, the last uh, about two and a half, we're a little bit closer to three years, uh, my practice has been completely virtual. So, you know, when the pandemic started, uh, it was seriously nothing changed for us. And I uh, spoke with my my team members and things. And I said, you know what, I'm going to save you one less email about the pandemic and shifts and changes because 
it's business as normal um, with us. And it and is, I'm very grateful that I was able to have that experience. Um, but it looked a little bit different for us. So in large, telemental health is uh, when we're using clinical mental health services where the client and the clinician are in two physical, physically different um, locations, but they're using telecommunications to connect. And so we do them 100% through video sessions, but absolutely you're able to do telehealth through phone. Um, and then we have some asynchronous methods too, where people are texting or using email-based services or chat services as well. Um, so with the practice, we uh, service three states, Missouri, Illinois, and California. And right now, um, surprisingly, we have not seen a huge shift. And um, we're still trying to figure out what's that, you know, wasn't it about, what's that about? Is it because nothing changed for us? Um, largely, um, like our other um, panelists here, we do not see a very acute population. So we have people that are experiencing some anxiety, some symptoms of depression, some traumas, but they're not at the level of acuteness for hospitalization um, typically in the past with telehealth because we do do what's called an assessment of fit for services. Um, there are just some levels of care that in the past have not typically been recommended for online services. And it's been so interesting in the last month everything is okay <laughs> now. So I've really been thinking about, uh, so for the past year, I have been also consulting as a telemental health consultant with individuals and organizations to help them navigate, you know, what does this look like as far as what platforms we can use? What do our consent forms need to um, include? And what does this process look like for our clientele is, is a lot of what I've been doing. And it's been very interesting to think about what this is going to look like uh, post pandemic, because I think this has brought a, a shined a very huge light. A lot of like what, what Tom said, one of my focuses has been um, not just on telemental health, but also equitable care, right? So we have to think mm -hmm. about access. We have to think about the, the barriers that are still there and Although this is a great approach to, to treatment for some people still in underserved communities or rural communities, they don't have equal access to, um, to the service. So I've been thinking like, you know, this pandemic has shined a huge light on just some challenges still within our mental health care system and some systematic barriers. And how do we now, since in this time, we have all band together to make sure that people have adequate internet or they have the technology or insurance companies are reimbursing for it. How do we have this continue, right? You know, on a, on a federal level, we had some um, from the Department of Health and Human Services, they lifted some regulations on, on just doing telehealth and what platforms you can use. And like I said, insurance companies have made some changes. And so my mindset has really been in, in an advocacy space of how do we have this continue and not go back to placing all the regulations that we clearly see now don't necessarily need to be there. So, yeah, yeah, I've been more um, personally, I've been more on the supporting professional side. I've done some some webinars and trainings to help other people do it. But as a practice, we've kind of been um, floating kind of just the same, which is which I'm grateful for for that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Shines a lot of light on what 
what's needed, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe this is preparation for the future on a long term mm -hmm. basis. I know? hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we all sure you guys did as well as myself. Um, so, so taking that conversation a little bit further, I know um, when it comes to um, mental health conditions and what people face and experience, there are a few highlighted common thing, common things that potentially people go through. Um, and it's in light of like the COVID-19 crisis, I'm sure that's only fueling fire in certain people's um, life right now. And so Melissa, I know when, when you think of mental health, it can be also be a holistic approach as it's, it's also inclusive of the environment, it's inclusive of things that happens around them, not just that person. So in light of the economic um, impact right now, um, what have you seen as some of the common concerns you see in people, particularly as not generally as a whole, um, mm -hmm. that they're facing emotionally due to, you know, finances, unemployment, access to mm -hmm. food and medication. Like what have you seen arise? Mm -hmm. Absolutely there. I think there are some just collective experiences that many of us, you know, not just uh, the clients, but us as the providers are experiencing as well. And so definitely increased anxiety with there being so much uncertainty, there not being a lot of answers around this this virus and and how do we you know really flatten the curve and and there being no you know cure for it and all those things what does the future look like for us um so definitely increased anxiety has been a theme there's been a lot of uh of grief and that's been across the board right so we definitely have um unfortunately seen the tragedy that has come with um unexpected deaths with with the virus but in addition to um, grief with, with unexpected loss um, in people, we also are grieving um, the, the loss of how our lives were, <laughs> you know? So I saw yeah. in, the, I, in the beginning, beginning weeks of this, um, I also saw some people like kind of, you know, in some way relieved or excited that, okay, no, this is not a great thing that's happening, but okay, this is a little bit of a slowdown to maybe the, the mm -hmm. hamster wheel that we sometimes can feel like we're on running from mm -hmm. work to practice to, you know, whatever that looks like. But then a couple weeks later, it kind of settled in, it seems like, and, and people are now feeling the impact of not having the choice to, to do and engage in life in the way that they want. So definitely grieving, right? And, and even, um, past grief being triggered as well. If, if I've lost someone prior to, to COVID-19 and, and now I'm reminded of, of, of death and loss all around me, that's now triggering other, um, other just memories and feelings within, within myself, which then connects to some depression symptoms that have also arose because of the um, isolation and withdrawal that comes with being quarantined. Um, so those are the, the the major ones. And I think more, another thing that I've been making sure that I validate people's experiences because, because of the variance in experience and reality for people, right? So we do have a lot of people who have been impacted by losing, losing work and, and economic um, um, just challenges and insecurity in a lot of places, but then we also have people where they, that those kind of things haven't changed for them. And although they mm. are, you know, in place in home, they do still have the security of income and employment. So mm -hmm. there's been this, this added 
kind of idea of this comparative suffering, right? I'm a little bit upset of that I can't move as I like, or I might have some anxiety, or I might also be triggered in some way, but at least I haven't, you know, lost my life, or at least, you know, it's not as bad as other people have experienced it. And so I see them not giving themselves space to, to feel whatever that feeling is. And so a lot of, of what we've been seeing too is just making sure we validate whatever experience people are yeah. going through knowing that your personal experience is is important yeah that's a good point really good point the validation piece um mm -hmm. for i got a question um for tom i think you can answer this one so let you mentioned about um, anxiety is one of is a common thread you've seen just as a whole as a general as a population now what is what about those who already uh, are experienced or diagnosed with anxiety tom uh, what you know, what effects do you see that has a rise in, in the way that they handle things? And how do you see that in the long term or how this may impact them uh, moving forward in their life? Yeah, I think it's kind of twofold what we've seen so far. You know, for, for some that's already diagnosed with it, they've actually have a pretty good skill set to manage it. Um, and so we've seen some of that. So they, they've had this toolbox that's kind of been built up with how to manage, um, uh, the daily anxieties and what's coming next. Um, and then the other side is for some of our individuals who may be struggling and um, may not be, may, may be out there and they're like, uh, do I have an anxiety issue or do I not? And then that's where we see that's that's been even more impactful on them. So it's some of our newer clients or some of our clients that have already been, um, that had started coming in. And this is like pushed, 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 you know, um, them on a lot of levels. And a lot of it's that anticipatory anxiety where, you know, that fear of what's going to happen next is coming in. And so a lot of that has come with the, the news, right? Um, you turn yes. on the news and of course we have news channels, you know, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? And then they're, they're almost mesmerized um, in regards to like what's, what's going to happen next. And then, which is normal. Um, because we don't know. I mean, this is something we've never experienced before. And, and that's some of the stuff we've been we've been kind of preaching out is like, hey, none of us know what's going to happen. So part of this is you're not alone. And that's been a kind of a constant message we've been we've been sharing. Um, so so when you look at, you know, those those two groups of people, that's been kind of what we've experienced. And so I think what happens with anticipatory anxiety is you might be able to manage um, through the process and and you're you're implementing some skills but what we've also been hearing this second wave uh possibly in the fall that'll be uh covid paired with a regular flu and then that's like waving the flag to you know someone with um uh, an anxiety mm. anxiety um mm -hmm. diagnosis or someone that's like thinking if they have one or not and that's like oh my gosh so we're gonna have to go through all of this again, right? Um, we're going to be have to stay at home, and then um, people are going to die, and so all of those what ifs. The case of the what ifs mm -hmm. comes up. So mm -hmm. um, it's it's helping um, with positive self talk. Um, it's helping individuals um, develop that 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 toolkit of like maybe for me it's journaling um, that and I can get all these anxious thoughts out. Maybe for someone else it's like I resort to exercise. So it's figuring out what's what's appropriate for the person, but that's ultimately kind of the the process that we're we're walking through with some of our our clients, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming that it's a, it's all a spectrum. 
you know, mm-hmm. spectrum to the levels, to the frequency of it, and giving people coping tools. Um, I am assuming is is you, <clears throat> it's customized to you know how they use them. You know what has happened, work what has worked in the past, and you know I think the idea of not knowing the future and that anticipatory fear mm-hmm. right there and anxiety. Um, I feel like we all have that, but those who have already who who have already been dealing with and working with anxiety, like you said, it's just just adding fuel to the fire. You know, mm-hmm. do you foresee like does that? And this is a question I don't know. Is it you know I know Lisa like you mentioned like you work with trauma patients. Tom, yes. could this be like a? But this is still a question of time. Is this still like a? It's, could this be like a chronic trauma issue to where it can mm-hmm. snowball and make things? you know, create a new experience in their life where they, their anxiety rises continually on a continuum. Yeah, definitely. Am, am I, I answering mean, it the right way? Yeah. I mean, from a trauma perspective, <laughs> okay. right? I mean, this is, we're all experiencing some level of trauma through this. Um, and, yes. and that's something we have yeah. to be really vigilant of because mm-hmm. what's going to happen, right? If we, if we don't, have that self-care for ourselves or reach out and, and get appropriate um, services that we may need as the individual when these future traumas are going to happen again, right? Um, we're going to experience it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, uh, that was, uh, you know, I believe in toxic stress. I believe in trauma, but then at times they become buzzword too, right? Um, there's a lot of people that get on board with that term and then all of a sudden it goes away. But if you think about the toxic stress of what we're experiencing right now, it is real and we are working through it. And for those that maybe don't have access to service or those that um, aren't aware of it because they're in the middle of it and they can't take time to take care of themselves, um, it's gonna catch up. And then that's where you know yeah. us as um, people that are in the helping field, right, are are ready to to help those individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Uh, another um, big um, common uh, response I've seen too is um, the isolation piece. And Lisa, Dr. Scott, Dr. Parker Scott. I know it's one thing to feel lonely, but it's another thing to. Um, be in that place when isolation is kind of mandated right now. Um, and so when it's connected to your mental health, like how, how does that play a role in creating, you know, kind of a cascade effect? And, and, and with that, you know, how, what are some coping and building skills can someone have that can kind of help them through these times when they're physically alone? Sure, I, I think central to that is feeling the powerlessness and finding that sense of control. And it it's really difficult to find that when so much of our lives is upended and disrupted, even just for someone who isn't personally being impacted beyond just staying at home and trying to stay safe, there are still so many losses that someone is going through. Uh, separated from people from work, separated from their loved ones, um, having all of their daily routines disrupted. 
but particularly if someone's lost their job, they're worrying about their finances. If they have the worry of themselves getting sick or they have a serious medical condition, if they love someone with a serious medical condition, there's all sorts of ways that can be compounded. And being isolated, I think this crisis has made so many of us become much more aware of how much we really need others and how much we rely on others, not just for love and for caring, but for our basic necessities, for getting our groceries and utilities and for having things delivered and how much risk that can place others at nowadays has taken a whole new level of meaning. And that's really increased how much we feel isolated when we're, we're not able to get those connections and when we're away from all of that and so it, it's very easy when we have so much that's not under our control to focus on all that isn't under our control and whether it's with my clients at the facility or the staff i'm working with or my friends and family or myself trying to focus on what is under our control and trying to re kind of turn to that here and now what am i aware of what can I do to just stop and take a deep breath? What can I do to focus my awareness in a way that will help me regain some of that control, feel that and feel that calm, and then take one thing at a time from there on? It doesn't feel very powerful when we're thinking of all of the things racing around us. And yet it's amazing to me that even when people are devastated and have been hit with multiple, multiple losses, uh, just being able to stop and really kind of regroup is really essential. Um, but then also being able to find other ways to connect. Uh, for a lot of people, this has been a technology um, intensive <laughs> to be able to learn how to really connect. Uh, I, I'll admit I downloaded WhatsApp for the first time and found out that my son will smile while we're talking because I can see his face now um, uh, since uh, I'm, I'm not seeing him because I work in healthcare um, other than for walks in the park or when we WhatsApp. Um, and so it, something as simple as that, um, using Zoom to connect to other family members or um, being able to use um, video conferencing with my team members and with our clients when we have meetings with them and connecting clients to each other and to their family. Um, things that we didn't, we were just starting to entertain how to introduce this technology. So it's been a real silver lining to have people be able to connect that way. And uh, it's amazing how much more powerful that face-to-face -face interaction really is and how much that combats compared to just an email or a text or a phone call. So I think trying to recommend people schedule that in, that it doesn't just happen and making sure that we, we take care of ourselves that way is essential. Um, and also building in other routines. If uh, people work out and exercise with people before, trying to find a way to meet up and do social distancing, walking around a track together or walking through a park that's open or through a neighborhood or sitting several feet apart and talking and catching up uh, can be much more powerful than being able to talk on a phone. So I think all of those things are really essential and we've really had to waken up, wake up to what helps us connect and what feels most healing. Hmm. Those are great points. 
one of the things <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned those things because, and I'll just say this, I had a personal experience this morning. Uh, one of my friends FaceTimed me. It was very, very great seeing them. And they're a person that really enjoys their extroverts. So they get their energy from other people. And they're going through such a hard time and they've had um, bouts of depression. Um, mm -hmm. And so this is only like, I was talking with Tom, like it's only for anxiety, it's only fuels the feeling of loneliness. And I, and what I, what I, what I found from our conversation with that person made a comment was like, I have just, you know, done away with the social distancing because I just have to be around people. I just, I just, I just have to be around mm -hmm. people. And so as they were saying it, I just kind of, just kind of arched my eyebrows in surprise because you know when when people are, are that desperate to have human contact they're willing to put their life or someone else's lives on the line in light of this right now mm -hmm. you know and so i think it's very important to you know learn strategies and coping skills and utilize social media and utilize other ways to communicate and connect with people so that you do have something to suffice that need versus you're taking you know you're being a little bit more radical in your approach just because you, you you feel you need that immediate physical connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really you, hard. Yeah. Um, so, and this can be for, this is kind of an open question. Um, now, I, it, now I know that um, a lot of times, um, someone is diagnosed, it comes from different places. Uh, do you, and you kind of spoke upon this, but do, do, is there, what is the probability of someone to become, you know, mental, come on well, um, doing this, during this to where they become diagnosed to it? Is it a higher probability um, in any area of mental health due to the pandemic? I would say yes and no. Um, I, I think there's a difference between feeling stressed and having reactions to something that is devastating and widespread and unforeseen and that we have difficulty kind of figuring out how to cope with and that figuring out how to cope with that and being able to do what we can that's in kind of the normal realm and that a lot of people can do that. Feeling like we're not able to adapt or being slammed with huge losses or feeling like it's just, we're just not able to catch a breath or that we were at a liability before. People who are falling in those kinds of categories or in those kinds of events are more likely to feel like they've got something that is just not budging, that just their normal coping strategies aren't enough. They're not helping them or this is too big. It's too mm -hmm. devastating a loss. And so that would be more something that would be considered a post-traumatic stress disorder or an anxiety disorder or a major depression of some sort. Um, I think it really depends. I think it's, it's certainly though is much more likely the more kinds of tragedies that people are dealing with. It is much more inevitable. I will say that everyone going through this right now is feeling some level of stress. It would be, it would be the exception. 
people not to feel stressed by any of the things that have been happening over the last couple of months. And so that makes it normal and not a mental disorder. Um, it's still not, it doesn't feel very normal to have things be so different. And I think that kind of upheaval is really difficult. So it takes being able to figure out how to cope with it. Um, but what, yeah. uh, Tom, you were saying about when people have dealt with really difficult anxiety, for example, or uh, another serious mental illness, or they've dealt with trauma, they may be much more resilient. And so they may be coming out of this saying, okay, yeah, this sucks. And, oh, I do not like this. Okay, I need to like get stuff together. How am I going to do that? And they may be able to more quickly mobilize than someone who's never dealt with something that's been traumatic before. Um, yeah. so I do think that if people are finding themselves in this place, though, where they are, they are devastated, where they they don't know which way is up, where they can't sleep, where there's, it's hard to eat, they're worried about everything, and they have real traumas that they're dealing with, real losses, or if this is just, this has just raised every fear for them and they've never had to worry about these kinds of life and death concerns, even if they haven't lost anything yet, per se, like a, a person that they're caring about, um, that someone has died or become ill or that they're ill, they still have had many other losses. Those things, when you're finding yourself in that deposition, it's really helpful to know that that's real. Just because, yes. you know, that's real trauma. And we all have the, the capability of feeling traumatized right now. Mm -hmm. And so hmm. doing what we can to reach out to people who love us is absolutely more important when we're feeling so blindsided. Um, reaching out for professional support virtually is absolutely more of an option even more now than it was before all of this. Mm -hmm. um, just talking to the people we love and letting them know as hard as it is that we're struggling um, yeah. and not expecting that we're going to problem solve it away or, or do it right and feel better that, mm -hmm. that this is an incredibly unprecedented and challenging rough time. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, it, it just it's the reality though, and it's good to be able to, you know, be able to discern is this something that is kind of temporarily because you're going through this, or is, is this snowballing into something that needs more attention to it? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and with and with limited, you know, now that we're, I think we're all in a position where we're having to adjust to the more virtual platform. Um, I know that Tom, you mentioned like some of the some of the problems that it presented itself, especially like going through school, you know, working with school districts and working with churches. Um, um, and I know you guys are working towards finding ways to kind of keep their services going as we're moving forward, knowing that school is pretty much out for the year. You know, there probably aren't any classes. Um, have you guys just kind of what would be some um, some ways that maybe perhaps you guys have thought about or would be some good ideas to kind of keep a connection to those respective communities that your organization has been working with? Yeah, um, uh, it's it's almost going like old school in a couple of different ways, because with uh, a couple of our therapists, they recognize the, the, the issue of trying to maintain contact because um, all of our school therapists are still working. 
and they're trying to engage by by calling parents, by calling and getting permission to talk to the kids directly. The kids they could talk inside of schools. Now we're at home. We need to talk to the parents, you know, and get permission. But kind of went back to um, an old-fashioned newsletter that's being sent out um, to mm -hmm. some of the families um, in in certain neighborhoods and communities, and because that's an easier way of doing that. Um, getting mm -hmm. messages inside of church bulletins um, and and things of that nature. And so it's it's we have technology available, but then using methods that are accessible for people um, and where that is at for them too. Um, so maybe the community newspaper as well too and, and flyers going out in, in the mail. So I mean those are some some uh, things we've been looking at how to engage and then also just trying to do our best to help parents during this process as well too to say like, hey, you know, you still got to have your kid on a schedule. Um, they're used to that schedule this time of year anyway. Let's somehow try to implement a similar schedule um, with sleep, with um, what they're doing, doing, doing during the day, right? And so, um, uh, which, which that structure, um, you know, kids and as well as adults, there's as much as sometimes we push back on that structure because we're like, yeah, oh, you can't tame me. Um, I personally, I do better when I have some structure. Um, and if I don't, I get bored because that's one of the main things we're hearing from um, our kids um, uh, that were our existing clients inside of school, they're bored. And it's like, and we know what happens with boredom, right? Um, that turns into trouble sometimes um, or poor decisions that are being made because there's a teenage mind going on. So um, trying to get some of those, those, those ideas and concepts out there and using some more traditional methods even of delivery. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. And Melissa, I wanna get some of your opinions too. Um, as you said, this extension um, of being quarantined or have limitations continued, uh, what are some ways that um, you um, can, what are some um, tips and ways that you can help individuals uh, dealing with mental health um, mm -hmm. issues or conditions, I don't want to say issues, but conditions, experiences that may have not already been addressed. Yeah, I want to piggyback off of what Tom was just sharing, because even with a virtual practice, we've been going pretty, pretty old school too, you know, with, with connecting mm -hmm. with, with community-based organizations and businesses. Um, we always say, you know, the people that have the natural contact, you know, with the clientele is, is someone that's important for us to be connected with. So we've been also doing some of that communication, making sure that we are providing just good information, you know, online or participating in, you know, things like this or when other uh, platforms are having different discussions, making sure that we're giving tips and um, just a little bit of psychoeducation so that people, there's a wealth of just free accessible information out there and wanting to make sure that that mental health and emotional health is something that's also in the conversation. But another thing that that we were doing and we planned it like literally right before this happened and we we're just like, oh, I guess it's a perfect time to do it. We also implemented um, some virtual groups as well. So we have been um, like your support groups. Um, we are not quite doing, you know, therapy groups, but more just support groups on different topics. So that again, like, you know, we've all said people know that they're not alone, that there are people, we have one group 
that is focused um, mainly on people that are having challenges with setting boundaries and and developing the self-care routines right now because we see people that are isolated by themselves that can be hard to get on a plan but then people that are in households with other people it can be hard to figure out you know when's family time when's my time you know and not feel just this we always have to be together knowing that as individuals we need individual time as well or having um, be so accessible to other people. People are expecting the increased Zoom calls or increased communication. I'm seeing some people say like, hey, I don't, I don't really feel like socializing right now um, in, in that way because everything is online. But we're hoping that these support groups help people to, again, get, the, get information, talk with others, who are experiencing similar things that they are and get some of those um, just tips and tools and build up their toolbox so that um, they can navigate through this and navigate through through it well. Um, so yeah, I just really wanna continue to encourage people to pay attention to your individual experience. You know, anything that feels out of the norm, knowing that there are some things that are that are happening, that are shifting. You know, I'll fully admit that I stay up too late some nights watching Netflix and my sleep is now <laughs> off, <laughs> you know, but that's different from me starting to have trouble falling asleep because I'm worrying a lot or I'm not able to stay asleep because there are a lot of things on my, on my mind or I'm noticing that I'm eating a lot less or I'm eating a lot more or I have no motivation or energy to, to get out and maybe take a walk around the block or connect with someone that I might not have spoken with. So definitely just um, continuing to have people pay attention to anything that feels you know largely out of your norm and um, being very patient with yourself. Um, there's a lot of people that are navigating so much at home, you know, I'm I'm a teacher, I'm employee still, or I might not be employee and now that has stress. Um, I might be, you know, from a distance taking care of family and things, and there's so much pressure to do it all from this one confined space. Right. Yes. And so yeah. I've encouraged people to create a schedule that that works for you. And some days that schedule is gonna go well and some days it's not, but that's completely okay too. So yeah. just, just mm -hmm. very individualized focuses right now. Okay, thank you, appreciate that. <clears throat> um, good that you guys are expanding your programs um, to be more inclusive mm -hmm. and create different options for people. Yeah, mm -hmm. and keep them engaged. Um, yeah. So as we're closing, um, we all know that mental health is, mental health is connected um, to the whole, all the spokes of this life, whether it's, you know, physical health, emotional health, you know, how we take care of our bodies. It's a, it's a part of the entire will. Um, so what, just real quick, if each of you can give me just kind of a quick, maybe one minute, uh, what would be some uh, holistic approaches you would encourage your clients to um, implement into their lives that may really help them with their coping and dealing with their mental health? Uh, conditions. Um, I guess, Tom, I'll give you the mic first. <laughs> All right. Um, well, a, a big part of what I always say is um, sleep, exercise, nutrition. Um, those are three huge things that um, a lot of times make um, remarkable improvements in your overall mood and emotional health and mental health. Um, and, you know, as much exercise as you can get in, even if it's a walk, but if you can get that heart rate up, right, um, it makes a big difference. Eating healthy, 
of course, um, stay away from my favorite food, the Pop-Tarts and the Twinkies and the <laughs> all and yeah, all those things, right? Um, and of course, sleep, getting as much sleep, you know, depending on what research you read, um, you know, anywhere between seven to nine hours, somewhere in there, I, I, I go back and forth. But that'd be my, my way of looking at it right off the bat. So sleep, exercise, nutrition. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Parker Stack, how about you? Uh, I absolutely echo what Tom's saying, and I would uh, add mindful relaxation. Uh, pay attention to focusing your mind in a relaxing way for a chunk of time every day and start with something that you really love. Um, listen to your favorite music. Um, pay attention to the spring flowers outside your window, or better yet, when you walk. Um, pay attention to all the colors and the smells. Um, the other thing I would ask um, when people try to exercise or eat right or get more sleep, start with a realistic goal. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to say, okay, what's one thing I can try to do today? Uh, mm -hmm. And start to try to do something every day. Start with things you like. So if you don't want to do a video workout, don't do a video workout. <laughs> um, if like rather go for a, a walk than go for a walk and start with 20 minutes, but try to get a brisk walk pace going and go through an area that you're familiar that you would like to walk through um, and enlist support with your, your friends. So if um, you're trying to set one goal for that day, make sure that you then talk to a friend that you know is going to support you in that goal and that may help you be more likely to carry that goal through. So mm -hmm. that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely echo um, mindfulness um, from the space of uh, taking opportunities to connect with yourself more. So detaching from the news and social media and all the other noise that I like to call it outside of us and focusing internally on just who am I and what do I like and what does this make me feel and what do I need? That's a, a, a question that I encourage people to always ask like in, in moments, what do I need? right now um, and materializing that. But then I will also add to that our environments absolutely mirror sometimes what we're feeling internally. So if our environments are an absolute mess, we're probably feeling a mess inside, <laughs> you know? And so if I think this is a great time and opportunity to do some cleaning, to do some organizing, to get to those, you know, projects that, you know, they don't have to be overwhelming, but, you know, we, we have that, you know, that piece of furniture that we have been saying we want to move and clean behind and sweep behind and, and organize our rooms and, you know, just make things feel and look uh, in a way that just makes us feel good about our space. And if it's a space that we have to be in for, you know, an unforeseeable time, then it might as well feel good to be there too. So mindfulness and, and having our environment reflect um, kind of what we desire to feel. Yeah, great. I love it. Wow, you, you everyone has brought some meaningful conversation topics um, to this panel from a diversification of different um, um, different avenues, uh, and you all kind of come you all come together under the under the same umbrella as far as mm -hmm. how to approach how to work with what you're dealing with, uh, the resources that are out there, the different things and um, programs that you guys are transitioning over to to make sure that your services are still fulfilling those in need. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on this particular panel topic. Um, and 
last not least, I want to make sure everyone has a way to uh, contacting you guys. We will put all your information up on the, the feed in the post. But if you want to give your website and your number or your contact information, we'll just close it up after that. I'll go first. Lisa, you um, go first. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll go first. Um, our website is probably a good place for us. It's um, www.golddrivencounseling.com. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and our website links to all of those. Thank you. Huh? I would say, um, oh, sorry. Well, you can go, Dr. Parker. Scott. I can go ahead. OK. <laughs> um, doing like the, the Hollywood Squares rotation. Um, <laughs> so I would say probably my email is the best place to reach me, which is Lisa P. Scott at sbcglobal.net. And I will answer emails as promptly as possible. Thank you. And last but definitely not least, Tom. Uh, yes. Uh, so you can uh, go to our website, stlouiscounseling.org, and you got to spell saint out. Um, so stlouiscounseling.org. And um, you can see our services and uh, my contact information is on there as well. Okay, great. Well, we have it all. Well, thank you again. And everyone out there, be safe, be smart, and work through these times. We're all are in this together. Thank you. So continue to come back for more wellness-related topics. Please join me every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time right here in my dining room to help give you information on all wellness related topics that mean the most to you during these times. And don't forget to support our students by going to www.genyouthnow.org to learn about their grant funding program in response to the COVID-19 crisis. It's called For School's Sake. So follow them on Facebook and Instagram and see all of the impact they are making by supplying schools with resources and food needed to keep our students safe and fed. So thanks again and see you soon.